Welcome to Response Leadership, a podcast featuring the top minds in emergency services. Brought to you by the Texas A&M Engineering Extension Service, a leader in emergency response training. My name is Craig Weaver. I work in communications at Teeks. Today, I also have with me Scott McCollum. Scott is the Associate Division Director at Teeks Law Enforcement and Protective Services. And our guest today is Chief Alan Banks in Round Rock, Texas. And Chief, I... I usually write things down to say about people, but I didn't today because I would like to hear about you from you because you have a pretty extensive and impressive resume that I looked at today. So tell us a little bit about you. First of all, thank you for being here. We're glad to have you today. Well, thanks for having me, Craig. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So just a little bit about myself is uh, I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, at the age of about eight, I was around third grade, um, I decided I wanted to be a, a police officer. Um, I just knew it was my calling at that time. So when I turned 21, I had the opportunity and the blessing to join the Albuquerque Police Department. And I served with the Albuquerque Police Department for almost 22 years. Uh, 2014, I retired as the interim chief of police in Albuquerque, uh, roughly about 1,600 police officers. Total employees is about 2,300. And uh, God brought me to uh, Round Rock, Texas. And I took over as the police chief in Round Rock in March of 2014. So I've currently been here for nine years. Uh, it's an absolutely amazing um, place for me and my family. And just love love the people here that uh, I work with. Maybe a strange question. It's a little left um, out of left field. But obviously this podcast has a lot to do with leadership. What is difficult about being a leader in the police force? Honestly, I think, uh, Craig, Difficulty in, in leadership is, uh, especially now in the police force, I think it's evolved over time. Um, and I think as the social media, media era and the mainstream media era has really focused a lot on certain incidents, um, it makes it really hard for our officers to go out and do their jobs the, the way that we used to do our jobs uh, in the field. And we've had to really um, change our, how, how we police. And as a result, as a leader, you have to stay up with the new laws, stay up with technology, stay up with generational differences. Uh, so it's uh, just working through those things on a daily basis, I think, makes it more difficult for uh, leaders in any police organization. Chief, do you think that uh, also a, a lot's been laid into the lap of law enforcement? It makes our job just so much more diverse. We've got to be... Uh, experts at a lot of different things. Oh, I absolutely, absolutely agree with that, Scott. So, and, and I, when I go out and I, I speak to different groups, one of the things I, I bring up is if we go back to the Rodney King days in the uh, early 90s and you look about, look what happened there in the Rodney King's, and that's kind of where I start my trends. That's when I started my policing uh, era, um, went from regular large batons to asps now, um, video cameras, that's when we really started showcasing video cameras in law enforcement. And as you continue on down that, that history, um, our belts, our, our, our duty belts, utility belts, you know, used to be a gun, handcuffs, um, and maybe an, a, an asper baton. And now we have tasers, we have mace, we have um, obviously our firearms, magazines, and you know, so on and so It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that's the demands on law enforcement right now is more tools, um, de-escalate more, additional training and so yes I think a lot has been put on law enforcement over the decades 
and it's really changed how we're policing now. Right or wrong, it's just it's just a new look of policing. Sure. This the current state of being a police officer. Do you find it difficult to get off to recruit and keep officers? To me, being a, a police officer is, is a, it has to be a calling, it has to be a passion. To, it should not be an eight to five. It shouldn't be something that hey, I, I want to try this out and see if it works for me. And so, for me in Round Rock, when we do our recruiting, those are the people we're looking for. We're looking for those that have the heart to be a to uh, be a police officer. And we we all know the term servant's heart. Um, we've also changed how we looked at it. I don't think we have we have that warrior mentality anymore. It has to be a guardian mentality. We're taking care of our community, and those are the people I want in the seats. Is it hard to get those people now? Yes, it is. And again, we're in the era of social media and mainstream media that really beat up this profession. Um, to me, it's an honorable, I've been doing this 31 years. It's still an honorable profession, but when you're in the mainstream media or social media, we call them the YouTube sensations because everybody's recording you no matter what you do. That's true. Um, people don't want to don't want to fall into that category, and so that's where it becomes difficult. When we grab those people with the servant's heart and we put them through training and we explain to them, you're doing the right things for the right reasons. You're protected, and if you want to be here to take care of your community, we're going to support you, back you, and make sure that that happens. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the guardian and warrior uh, persona, I guess. And so, I guess, historically, it's been challenging to find that unique individual that can be both the guardian and the warrior when time is of need. And, and finding someone that can flip that switch is, is extremely challenging because you need someone who can be a guardian 99. 9% of the time, but there's that time where they may have to step up and be a warrior. Uh, have you found that challenging as far as uh, the workforce today, finding those unique individuals? So good question, Scott, and you're absolutely right. You still have to have a little bit of that warrior mentality when it comes to this profession. But uh, ironically is when we talk about having that guardian um, first warrior, guardian and warrior mentality, a lot of our female officers have both characteristics. Right. And so recruiting the females to balance that out Absolutely. has been huge for us. Um, and they teach us something as, as men because we want to stick our chests out and, you know, we want to, you know, run, run, through the, run through the line with the football and knock everybody over sure. sometimes. And they have that calming demean- mm-hmm. demeanor about them that says slow down, relax. And so even us having them as instructors to help us do that. So finding our women that uh, help us. Now, don't get me wrong. There are we we have a lot of male police officers that have that quality. I t- truly believe I have that quality where I can switch it back and forth. But again, it comes with the servant's heart, and it also comes with training our folks, right. de-escalation, mm-hmm. problem solving, and and just changing those different hats on on those folks. Hard to recruit, yes, absolutely, but uh, easy to train and train them the right way. You talked about women in law enforcement, and that's one of the things that I valued extremely when I was a chief, is that they bring a new dynamic, as you mentioned, to the police force. Uh, you know, we think differently, men and women. Absolutely. And so uh, I found huge value in, in having females on the force. Uh, even in my command staff, I had an assistant chief who was a female, and she brought a different perspective 
to me on a day-to-day basis and it was always great to get a gut check <laughs> from <laughs> her yeah. to say am I uh, am I on base here or am I do I need to consider something else have, have you experienced that as well female employees bring the the challenge to us to make us open our eyes just a little bit more and, and, and make us realize there is more than just handcuffing folks taking them to jail or roughing them up it's right. that de-escalation <laughs> portion of our profession that's so important, uh, slowing down. And so we see that with our female employees. I also, you know, I have my very first uh, female commander of this department ever. Um, and putting her in the mix of other male commanders has been great because she brings a different perspective to that room. And right. when they're sitting at that table, she has a voice. And it's not just a voice for her, it's a voice for, for mm-hmm. all women in, in law enforcement, sure. really, especially our agency. So yes. We see the difference. Um, I think they're absolutely 100% valuable to the profession, uh, and recruiting is, is a must. There is an initiative going on right now. It's 30, 30 and 30, I believe, 30, 30 women, 30% of women in by the year 2030 in, in different organizations. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they, uh, our women are great, and I, I especially, and I'll talk about Round Rock, our, I put our, our ladies up against anybody. I'll tell you, they, they hold their own. How would you describe, and we'll just talk about Round Rock, what, what do you feel the public perception is of the police force, of police officers in this community? When you specifically Round Rock, we have a, the perception here is we, we're a good agency. We just did a survey and we're about 80% approval rate here in the city of Round Rock. Um, I often get other agencies that ask me why that approval rating is so high. And a lot of it is because we get out in the community and we have conversations with our, our folks in our community, um, treat them fairly, mm-hmm. treat them as uh, with a lot of respect. And um, for me, it's not us versus them or them versus us. It's us together. And I preach that all the time. And, and so I think as it, when we make ourselves available to our public, I, it shows. And that uh, survey really, really showed 80 percent is is about 30 percent higher than the national average. Mm-hmm. Wow. You were talking about, uh, I guess we had a previous conversation, and we were talking about how many events you guys have here. It's pretty mind-blowing as far as the number of events you have in the course of a year. Absolutely. So prior to COVID, we were doing about 500 to 550 community events, whether we put them on as an agency or we just attended because um, another organization was putting them on. And to me, that's important because it doesn't matter what what the the, – um, group is. I don't care if it's Muslim or Catholic. I don't care if it's LGBTQ. We have to be there because it's our community. Sure. And so um, after COVID, we're down to about 300, 350 events now and it's starting to wrap back up. But uh, we have a great community affairs unit that uh, uh, attends these and, and our patrol officers get out there. And my expectation for my command staff is that we will be out attending these events. Right. Well, I think you're right, too, is that, you know, as a police department, we represent the entire community, every facet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think it's important to to recognize that as a police department and staff to recognize that as a police department because getting out there and developing those meaningful relationships mm-hmm. before a crisis is critically important to ensure that you endure the crisis. And, and it sounds like y'all embrace that. And we do. And I'll tell you, just as important, Scott, and, and thank you for that, is I believe our department has to look like or mirror what our community is, mm-hmm. right? And so that's also a recruiting tool for us is, is we're attending these events. We're, we're recruiting at these events. 
And so when I have complaints, one of the first things I ask is, are you going to be part of the problem or are you going to be part of the solution? Right. And so let's, let's work on the solution part and how do, how do we get better as an agency? Well, we need you. We need your input. Be a part of it, whether you're in the civilian side of it or the sworn side of it. And so that's why these events are so important to sure. us. Absolutely. We had a discussion earlier this week, this past week, and I wanted to touch on something. You talked about CHIP, and I wanted you to explain that because I, 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 I loved what you had to say well, and, why, and why that exists. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Craig, when I got here uh, to the Round Rock Police Department in 2014, uh, one of the things that I was expected to do was look at the culture of this police department. Did it need to change? How did how do we change it? And how do we make sure that the community and the police department are working together? And what I noticed is there was some separation. Mm-hmm. And um, so I brought all my staff, civilian and sworn together. And what I told them that we're gonna do is that chip that's on their shoulder, we're changing that. It's, mm-hmm. Again, it's not gonna be them versus us or us versus them. That chip on your shoulder is gonna be a positive chip. And that chip stands for community, honor, integrity, and pride. C is community. Community will always be first. That's who we're working with. That's what it's about. That's why we're in this profession. Why are we doing this job? It's to, it's to make sure the quality of life for our community is the best it could ever be. Um, honor is we honor this uniform, this badge, this patch. Um, and by doing that, we're doing the, the right thing all the time. That's why we're in this uniform. This is an honorable profession. And so we will honor this profession by doing the right things. Integrity is transparency. It's also doing the right thing when even nobody's looking, we are going to do that. That's what this department stands for. And the P is pride. We don't stick our chest out and say we're better and bigger than everybody. We're not above the law. That pride is we're proud to be police officers here in the city of Round Rock. And we're going to go out there and we're going to do everything that we can to to make sure that the city is one of the safest cities in the United States. And and so that's, that's the chip concept. It's on most every wall here in the police department. I also, when my, my officers or civilian staff do something great in the community, I give them a challenge coin, and it's an actual chip coin that uh, I give them. If they get three of those coins in a year, I'll give them a day off with pay. Mm-hmm. And it's just to, to continue to encourage them to do the right things and, and, and take our, our core values out into the public and, and do what I'm asking them to do. It, it seems like it's, it's leadership that's pushing a, a really strong humility. Of, of people and, and what it stands for and not just aggressive or that's very impressive to see those things kind of um, encourage a, hum, a, a humility or, you know, humility well, in people. No, and I, I appreciate it. And it has to be. And, and it starts at the top. Hmm. And I have to lead by example in this leadership role. And for me, and in, in, when I started, I said, this is my calling. And I truly believe God put me in this place for a reason. So I'm honoring, I'm doing what I'm doing to honor him mm-hmm. first and foremost. And I just am, it's my belief. And um, if I'm not, then, then why am I in this position? And so if I don't do, if I don't walk the walk uh, and talk the talk, then, then I need to move on and go to a different profession. Do you find it tough to do that sometimes? You know, I, I, I don't. It, and I'm not saying it's, leadership is easy or I'm <laughs> sure. easy in this, but I love what I do. Okay. I love what I do. I've been doing this 31 years. I've been in a leadership position now for almost 20 of those 31 years. Um, I love the people that I work with. And challenges are challenges. And how do you overcome the challenges? You tackle them head on mm-hmm. and you work through them. I often tell people the hardest conversations are the ones you don't have. Let's sit at the table and let's discuss what the issues are and let's work through them. We might not, we might not ever get to a resolution, 
but at least we're talking face to face, eye to eye. And to mm -hmm. me, that's important. And um, I, I, I find that we get a lot of stuff resolved that way. Oh, that's great. Tell, tell us a little bit about some of the, um, you'd mentioned when we spoke last week about camps and Citizen Academy, all the things that you guys are involved with. Absolutely, and, and thank you for that. And so one of the things that's important to me, and um, unfortunately this podcast would, would be on here for several days <laughs> if I really explain my background and how I grew up and where I grew up, but um, I really, really work toward um, taking care of our youth in our community. Because um, how I grew up, it, it was it's in Albuquerque, rough part of the city, broken home, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I really focus a lot on our youth. So we started a junior police academy, and it's kids from the age of 8 to 14 that we bring in during the summer. Because what do we see is kids go to school during the summer, they're out of school, and then they're running around crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> during the sure. summertime. And so what we want to do is we want to bring them into our police department during that summer and spend time with them. That gives them time with us, us time with them, and just teach them what it is about law enforcement talk about discipline, responsibility, um, and, and um, physical health and mental health, we get that opportunity during the summer. So that's our Junior Police Academy. We take them on field trips. They get a chance to repel. Um, we talk about getting over your fears, so we take them down to the repel tower. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have the, the Big People's um, Academy, which is a Citizens Police Academy. We put that on twice a year. That's a 12-week course once a week and we want our citizens to come in and, and kind of the same thing see what it is to, um, that the police officers do so we open our doors we allow them the opportunity to come and talk to our police officers uh, our officers will go and, and tell them about their unique uh, uh, experiences they'll talk about what, what they do whether it's detectives crime scene uh, homicide whatever so they get to come talk to them we'll let them go drive our police cars out in our driving track uh, not in the streets, but we won't let them in the street. But those, That's those, a good move. Um, and it's, again, it's just getting us um, engaged with our community. Sure. We have um, certain um, programs such as a lockbox uh, program. Our lockbox program, well, let me backtrack. So we have a telephone assurance program. So our elderly folks might, mm. who live alone, uh, we call them, if they're signed up for a program, we call them every single morning at a certain time, specific wow. time. And if they answer the phone, they know we're checking on them. We, are you okay, Mr. or Ms. Smith or whatever? Yes, we are. Well, next day we'll call them. If we do not get an answer, we will go to their house and uh, just to see if they're okay. Wow. Um, that's It works perfectly, except for the fact when you have Ms. Smith who lives by herself, knows that uh, the police are going to be calling her at <laughs> 7, 30, 8 o'clock every morning. <laughs> she knows not to answer that phone because she wants that handsome, you know, muscular built officer showing up at her house. And uh, she'll have a, a table full of breakfast waiting for that officer. So we, we've had a couple of those instances. That's, that's kind of genius. It, you know, I mean, when you're lonely, you, know, you get a nice officer coming to your house. You do what you need to do. That's right. But, uh, um, the thing is, we get to, an opportunity to take care of our, our youngest to our oldest, and then our lockbox program. So if Miss Smith does not open her door, we don't have to kick it in. We have a key uh -huh. in a lockbox, so we can open it. Um, we have instances where they forget to call us and tell us they're on vacation, um, or they went to go vis visit uh, a friend or something of that nature. So the last thing we need to do is cause more damage and, and financial responsibility for a homeowner that we don't need to. And so 
different programs like that that we run through this police department I think are absolutely uh, unique. The most uh, recent one that we started in 2015 was our um, uh, front porch, Operation Front Porch. And for our citizens who are victims of porch pirates, Mm -hmm. they get their packages stolen from the front porch. During the holiday season, we ask them to send them here to the police department. Mm -hmm. So those packages are here. We'll safeguard those packages. You come and pick them up after work or on the the weekends. Uh, That way it eliminates the opportunity to become a victim. Uh, But it also keeps our officers handling priority calls for service instead of going and writing a report, you know, spending an hour writing a report on a stolen toaster. So now they're out, you know, handling the violent crime. So that has been a very, very popular uh, program. It's being picked up uh, internationally, which we're very proud of. And we've been able Mm -hmm. to win uh, multiple awards for that that program. So there's a lot going on here in, in Round Rock. And what's your population here? 125 to 130,000 people. Well, that's a lot of folks. It and, is a lot of and folks. And that's impressive. You yeah. have that high level of service mm-hmm. and those uh, service-oriented pro- programs. Uh, I mean, you're definitely a trailblazer with oh, regard to that. And uh, it's pretty impressive to see you sustain that high level of service when mm-hmm. a lot of folks are cutting those kind of programs out of their uh, repertoire because they just are trying to handle calls for service. For sure. Program. Well, Chief, we talked about a lot of things today, and one of the things that, you know, being a police officer for so many years, we see a lot. Uh, we, we have a, uh, a lot of things that uh, we see that most of society never sees. And so that being said, uh, you know, the well-being of our, our employees is at the forefront of our mind, making sure we take care of our own. So what, what kind of efforts do you guys here at Round Rock have with regard to mental health and wellness uh, resiliency uh, to, to ensure that our employees are ready to serve their community? Man, such a great question. I appreciate that. And so we don't take that lightly at all. Um, we're, we see a lot of PTSD, um, a lot of mental health issues going on. Um, not only in our community, but within our police department. And we have to watch that because PTSD is, a, is it's just a, it's a hidden um, issue that just it peaks at, at the worst times. And so one of the things that we do is this department is we mandate our officers to physically work out mm-hmm. at least three times a week during their shift for one hour. Mandatory. We, mandatory. Um, and we also pay them a stipend to work out. And one of the things I tell them is, you have to be not only physically fit, but we also have to be mentally fit as well. And so we ask them to have downtime um, when they can. And part of that downtime is reach out. We have an on-call psychologist, and if they need to go see the psychologist, we encourage them to do that. Back in the day, it used to be taboo. Right. You, you did right. not. Right. You you considered a quack or you're yeah. crazy or whatever. We don't. We don't. That's not how we talk anymore. Now we encourage them to go do that. We also, and I would have never in my 30 years ever thought we would be doing this. We have a decompression room. Mm-hmm. So we have some, uh, we have a room dedicated to where they can go and close the doors, be quiet. We have a sound machine in there. Mm-hmm. And if they need to take a quick nap, they're allowed to go do that. Wow. Now, they cannot take, uh, take advantage of it, so they have to notify their supervisor. But if they have a traumatic incident that happens during the shift and they need that downtime, we provide that room for them at that time. Some of the things that we're working on currently is we see a lot of officers in the profession have heart attacks because mm. they're not eating well, right. hereditary, you name it. 
And so we are currently working on um, yearly heart screens for, for our office. Um, having the heart screen, I think, also goes to the mental health as well, because if they know they're physically fit, that's less worry they have to worry about um, in, in their personal lives. Um, we don't, we, we highly encourage our folks to make sure that they are taking care of their family first, um, whether it's childcare, wife, financial, and so we have steps in place to help them through that. We have a financial advisor that we offer for free here at the PD to help them. Um, marriage counseling, we have a tremendous chaplain's mm-hmm. program that uh, the chaplains actually go out and ride with their officers. That way they can be that ear for that for the officer and civilian staff as well. I, I can't leave out civilian because they are a huge support of this department. So our chaplains, will they'll go out and ride and they'll go to show up to briefings and they'll walk the police department. We also bring support dogs in. So our support mm-hmm. dogs come wow. in once or not twice a week and just rock, walk around the PD. Mm-hmm. We have our own communications, our dispatch. And so those folks are in, in one room 12 hours a day and mm-hmm. you know it, it's tough for them. The problem for, for our dispatchers is they don't they get the beginning of the call, rarely get the end of the call. Sure. Or what happened? And so we want to make sure that they're they're mentally okay as well. So we, we provide services for them as well. Strong peer support group, very strong. And I would encourage any agency, mm-hmm. if you, if you don't have a peer support group, start a peer support group because nobody knows better than than your own officers, your own staff what you're going through and, and have them there just to fall back on is huge. And so we have a very strong uh, peer support group. So there's a lot of things that we are putting in place to make sure that mentally are, and again, just not our officers, but our civilian staff are, are taken care of mentally as well. Well, it's pretty evident you guys have a, a, uh, a model agency with regard to mental health and wellness. And I, I commend you for all the steps that you've taken to, as you point out, not only help the officers who see traumatic events, sometimes multiple times during a shift. And I think that's a lot of times the public doesn't necessarily understand the intensity that that can create for an individual officer. Uh, and sometimes you need to step away. And sometimes uh, you need those type of programs to, to maintain your resiliency. And I think you guys have done a phenomenal job, not only focusing on the officers, but the civilian staff, because the officers on the street can't get their job done mm-hmm. without the civilian no, staff correct. Um, taking care of the details to keep them safe and, and uh, functioning out on the roadway. So I commend you guys. You've done a phenomenal job here. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, we, you know, we're still trying. Not a perfect department, but, you know, we're trying to do what's best for, for everybody. And mm-hmm. we, we do want to be that model agency. And so we're striving to, striving to be there. So um, we'll keep working hard on it. What's the most rewarding thing to you about being a leader, about being a chief? That to me, it's easy meeting people, meeting people. I love, I love people, love meeting people, um, and so that's my reward is I get to go out and and on top of that, talk about this agency uh, and the people who work here. So that's the reward I, I get out of it. Um, I've saved lives. I've pretty, I've changed lives in in my career. Um, but it's, it's taking care of the people and meeting people is important. Is is really what I love to do. Chief, thank you so much for being a guest here. We we've really enjoyed getting to talk to you. Thank you. It was my honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Response Leadership, brought to you by Texas A&M Engineering Extension Service. New episodes will be released on the fourth Tuesday of each month. Follow us on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And visit us at teeks.org slash podcast. Thank you.